You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Welcome to The Crossroad Podcast. I am Kylie Willis and I am here with Joey Willis, and today we have a very special guest with us. Um, So in the last episode, we talked about the Freedom V, and essentially we just outlined what the Freedom V is and how we can use it to uh, create a culture of self-governance, how boundaries and consequences help us to understand where we are going and that we have the agency and the power to be able to set boundaries for ourselves so that we don't need to be governed by other people. Um, So we have a very special friend with us today. Her name is Kate Goler, and she works at an organization called Adventures in Mission. Joe and I have worked with Adventures in Mission over the years to introduce these tools into the culture at this organization. And Kate is one of the champions of the Freedom V within Adventures in Missions and uses it all of the time to lead the young adults um, that she takes out onto the field. Um, So Kate, I would love it if you would introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what AIM is and what you do specifically at AIM. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, Working at Adventures and Missions has been an incredible opportunity for me. I work specifically with a program called World Race Gap Year. And so I work with 18, 19, and 20-year-olds taking a year off from either a year between high school and college or a year off from college. And what we aim to do at Adventures and Missions in all of our programs is to awaken people to their calling. And it's true, I am a big fan of the Freedom V. One of the most powerful tools that I use is the Freedom V. And to get to empower young adults to understand true freedom that is not deceptive or lead to destruction in their life, but actually leads them into abundant life is what I love so much about this tool. Kate, what is, you mentioned this already a little bit, but what is it that you think these young people have in terms of a misperception about what freedom really is? In our Western culture, this is primarily the United States, but I see it as something that is deceptive throughout a lot of Western society. Um Freedom is your own individual idea of I can do whatever I want. If I decide that this is what is best for me or healthiest for me, it's a very much you do you culture, you get what you want culture, you do what you need to do to make it to where you want to be. And the empowerment of our individualistic society is that you have the freedom to do that by any means necessary. If you deem that it's good for you, then it is good. Whereas what the Freedom V does is create, it creates boundaries to freedom that you then actually steward so that there is a freedom that grows for all people. Like freedom is not just the ability to do whatever you want. It is the 
ability to choose what is actually most encouraging and beneficial and healthy for your soul, which will also be those things for someone else's soul. When you, in your experience, when you're talking to young people about that, about the true nature of freedom, and even the kind of paradox or what seems like an incongruency of boundaries actually enhance our true expression of freedom rather than inhibit it. How do these young people like initially respond to that? Do they just, does it not make any sense to them? Or uh, is there a sense of your, you mentioned the mission of, of Adventures and Missions. Is there a sense of awakening that kind of happens automatically or, or does it take a little bit of time for them to deconstruct that Western idea of what freedom looks like? It definitely takes some time. It's uh, something that I see a lot of people resist at first. You kind of have your naturally rebellious people and then your naturally rule follower people where the rule followers feel a little relieved, like, oh, okay, good. Like, <laughs> things aren't going to get too crazy here. Um, and then you have your naturally rebellious people that just like, why, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? I don't understand this. There better be an explanation for everything. And it's not enough that... Um, someone wants to care for them or protect them or create a healthy environment for them, like there better be a better why than that. Um, so you definitely see that at first when it's first presented. And I even see that lead to some level of confusion because then um, people want a black and white line and they want to know why for both sides of this black and white line. But life is gray and even with the structure of a freedom V, the freedom V in itself, the fact that you can go up and down in width and how tight the freedom is versus how um, loose the freedom is, in, is indicative of this gray space where you have to use discernment and you have to be operating in a place of humility to really decide for yourself what is healthiest for me. You have to be self-aware. You have to be others aware. And those are skills that grow over time as you practice. So seeing people at first, it definitely is this very emotionally immature response. And I just want to know why, or I just want the black and white. Um, and that's a great place to start. Like knowing that I can teach and navigate those areas. Um, but the hope at the end of the day is that they do grow into a space of flexibility and self-awareness and others' awareness so that they can use the Freedom V to build up their lives and other people's lives. That's really good. I actually was having a conversation with one of the women at the college that I mentor. And um, young people nowadays, like a lot of them just like want the answer. They want you to tell them what to do. Like they want you to almost make their choices for them. And so like the black and white structure is this is a good choice. This is a bad choice. Instead of the idea that like there are a whole bunch of different arrays of choices that you can make within this structure that we have given you. And you have to take ownership of your choices for yourself and decide which direction you're going to lead yourself in life. And one of the like biggest things that I've been doing with this student over the past even six months is like when she comes and asks me for advice, I'm like, I am not going to tell you what to do. Like you need to make a choice and decide. Like I can advise you as to what I think is wise, but at the end of the day, like you are the one who has agency over your life and needs to make those choices that you think are going to be best for you. Um, and so 
I it's I think it's interesting and wonderful because you're in Georgia and you're taking out a certain age group of young adults onto the field to do this. And I'm in New York, like working at a college with like she's a senior this year and like they're similar age groups, but like we're in like wildly different like cultural places, Georgia versus New York. And you have teenagers from all over the country who come in. And so that this is like not um, it's not unique necessarily, but like we all need to learn how to um, to steward the the gray that is in front of us and um, in order to do that, we ha- we need to have clarity of our vision of where we're actually going. Because if we have clarity of that, then we can actually choose the best path forward and be intentional about our boundaries and the freedom V so that we can get ourselves there. So Kate, can you share a little bit about like the structure that you've set up for your participants through the nine months that they're with you? Definitely. Um, So at the beginning of their nine months, we definitely have a much greater structure. So if you picture a V, they would be down at the bottom of the V where the boundaries are very tight. Um, We let them know the expectation clearly, and they even have a few different opportunities to sign off on the commitment that they're making that they will choose a lifestyle of abiding by the expectations that we have for the season. Um, And so we start with them having squad leaders and team leaders that help facilitate everything that's happening throughout the day from their devotional time in the morning to getting um, meals made and passed out and cleaned up, um, chores around their living space that they're in, uh, how ministry and team times will be run. Almost everything about their day is structured in some kind of way. And what this helps facilitate is um, it puts their values in front of them all day long. It's not enough to say, I want to devote my life to God or I want to devote my life to others. You have to actually put that life to the ground and put some traction into it. And so we help them do that. They wouldn't show up to this program if those were not things that they already valued. And so we're not forcing someone to value something that they don't. But if you're showing up saying, I want to live my life with God, well, we're going to put the values of God in front of you all day long over and over again and put some traction down for you. We also uh, manage their technology time. So we take phones in the morning before breakfast, and then we hand them back out at the end of the day after team time so that that's not even a distraction to them. What that creates over it, we do this for the first month. And what that creates is in its absence, they actually start to recognize some things about how much their phone really does take from them. Gen Z is the first generation that has grown up with internet and screens in front of them since the day that they were born. Um, So they have never had that opportunity to live life without a screen or without the influence of internet right there. And when they have that removed from them, it is amazing the things that they start to realize about their mental health, about their addiction to the screen, their need for affirmation, their strong urge to live in a, a constant state of comparison and envy towards other people's lives. Um, and when we remove that distraction and they're able to see that, then when we start handing things back to them, we can teach them about self-control, about self-governance, because there's there's an awareness now where if we were just to start off the bat by saying, 
um, you need to manage your screen time differently. They were like, why do I need to manage my screen time differently? I'm not addicted to my phone. But then you take it away and they realize how addicted they are because they're squirming just sitting next to a human being without a distraction with them. They're like, oh, wow, I, I think I might actually be addicted. Um, it just gives us such a such an opportunity to talk about self-governance and how to manage their life differently. And um, with the, even the other things that we have structure to, when they start to see the impact of their devotional time with God, well, now when we don't say, okay, from eight to nine every morning is when you're going to have devos, they now know how much it helps them to enter into the day starting in God's presence. So, okay, you're not going to do it from eight to nine anymore, but it's a value now and you see its impact in your life. When are you going to do it? Or if you're not doing it and you start to see how much it impacts you to not have that time in a negative way, okay, well, let's talk about how to manage that a little better on your own now that we're not telling you when to do that. And so what the high level of structure does for us at the beginning throughout the first, the first month is definitely the greatest amount of structure. And then we start giving them more and more freedom months two, three, and four. And then month five is really when we switch into, okay, like you better get ready to own this thing. We have poured out and given you a lot to eat and, um, a lot to think about. And now how are you going to start living your life totally governed by yourself? We want to give them that opportunity around the middle to end of their nine month journey. Because of course, when they when they leave this space of the gap year, they're going to be completely on their own without us even standing by their sides. And um, it's so important to us that we don't just teach people in a season how to live their lives well, but we actually um, allow it to get into their life in a way where when they go into a new season and are no longer in the protected space that gap year creates for them, that they are still able to pursue intimacy with God and have a life of self-governance and um, healthy freedom to take into every other season from here. Yeah. Um, so I just want to bring this back to a couple of episodes when we had Dave Cooner on as a guest. Um, and on that episode, Dave really unpacked the different types of leadership styles and the different types of influence and how we can use those to lead others. And so if I like take it back to your example of like month one, like what you said was we use directive leadership and positional power at the bottom of the freedom V in order to create structure for people and teach them how life works. Um, and once they understand how it works, then we start to give them a little bit more freedom um, and loosen up the boundaries a little bit for them. And sometimes it takes... Um, coercive power uh, in order to convince them to get back into the freedom V. Sometimes it takes reward power where you're just like giving them high praise for doing a job that was w worthy of high praise. Um, and so as you like work through this journey with your different participants, you're actually utilizing the five types of influence and the five um, leadership styles while you use the freedom V. Kate, when I was a youth pastor, I, during our, like the first day of our conferences or events that I would go to, I'd walk around with this big sack and tell all of our team or like a pillowcase or something 
tell all of our teenagers, put your phones in here. And they would fight me. Oh, I didn't bring it. I was like, I know you brought it. Put it in here. And, and they just like had such a hard time with letting go of it. And by the end, and I did, I did just the beginning of this, of a session. And at the end of the session, two hours later, just gave it back to them. And it's amazing how by the end of just like a three day weekend, they would be like, at, you know, the last session of the conference, they'd be like, Joey, come get my phone from me. Like they just, they were starting to slowly recognize that this thing is a, actually more of a problem than they realize. And so I really love what you said about that. And going back to your point about how we have misconstrued what freedom really means. Sometimes the things that we want and the things that we want to get away from with are harmful to us mm. and they become a shackle in our own lives just because we have the key and put the iron on our own ankle doesn't make it any less of a shackle and so i love what you're talking about in terms of really giving them the opportunity i love the way you framed it too it's not that you're just punishing them up front or you're just trying to withhold the phone from them just because you don't trust them with it it's it's with a, an end in mind to help teach them that there's a better way to help uh, with a sense of awareness. We talked in the last episode about an example with the Freedom V of parents and how parents aren't telling their toddlers don't cross the street because they just want to <laughs> oppress their children. They're telling them because it's dangerous and, and they're trying to guide the, the child to becoming an adult who can make their own decisions about boundaries and consequences and how the world works. And so I love the whole structure of, of what you're talking about and the progression that, that you guys do. Um, what, what are, do you have some like stories or some, uh, you know, general like observations of what happens by the end of this nine months, as opposed to, uh, these young people when they, when they come in? Yes, I have stories for days. Um, so <laughs> I will just share a few, but um, I mean, I've been in this position as a World Race Gap Year Squad mentor for five years now, and definitely one of the biggest challenges that is presented each year is I am receiving young adults who are newly young adults. They're 18, 19, 20 Legally, they are now considered an adult, which means something really big to them. But biologically, psychologically, they have not actually fully matured yet. And they're battling this tension of, I'm an adult, I'm away from home, don't tell me what to do, you're not my mom, I don't even want a parent around ever again, I'm finally free. Um, but then you see the desire for direction and for focus and for vision. And so it's being able to merge those two things to help them understand that the tools that I'm giving you and the boundaries I'm putting on you are actually to give you the thing that you're desiring. But you have to remove the filter of I'm an adult now and I'm free and I can do whatever I want. Like you have to remove that in order to understand that the very thing you're craving is what is actually being handed to you. It just doesn't look like what you want it to look like because these young adults, a lot of times what they want it to look like is, okay, I'm an adult. I'm finally free. I can do whatever I want and whatever I choose is going to be good for me. But they don't actually choose things that are good for them very often. It's that tension that Paul talks about where he's like, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. 
they are wildly in that place where they're like, I'm going to get all these awesome things about God throughout this year. But then they're like, I can't remember the last time I opened my Bible. Like, I don't even, I don't even know that I've read through the whole thing. I don't know how to pray. Like, I want to be a prayer warrior, but I don't even know how to pray. And so then you put structure around that and they're like, no, I don't want to like box my relationship with God into anything. Like, don't put boundaries on it. I'm like, well, good luck developing a prayer muscle if you're unwilling to put any kind of structure to this. And so it really is helping them fight through that tension and help them see that this is a pathway to receive the thing that they're craving. It's not to restrict them and keep them away from a free life. It's actually to facilitate and create the pathway to the free life that they want. So the year is filled with that tension in many different ways. Um, there's highs and lows to it. There's certainly breakthroughs with it. And there's res- there's resistance to it as well all throughout the year, depending on the person. Um, and ultimately, as young adults, the thing that is most planted in this time over the nine months is seeds. And I have to trust the faithfulness of God that these seeds will continue to be watered and grown and brought to fullness of life as they also are brought to the fullness of life in their journey with God and just biologically maturing over the next five to 10 years. Um, So now that I'm five years in, I'm like, wow, this, it is amazing to hear from people that are from my first two or three years of mentoring. Um, I'll talk about um, Philip. He is one of my squad leaders right now. And so he was on one of my squads three years ago. And now he is leading the squad that I am mentoring this year. And he was definitely on the rule follower side of the Freedom V um, when it was first presented to him. Um, but he had no ability to understand what that then meant for how he could empower his friends um, or even live outside of rules, but actually in devotion and obedience to God. And so his wrestle throughout his year was, I want to follow the rules. I want to do what is honorable. But the heart motivation was performance and people pleasing rather than actual honor and devotion to God. But because he did desire to live within the freedom be and he did continue to pursue God throughout that time um, when he was then off his race and had a really hit a really low point afterwards because there was no longer the community and the structure helping him. He um found himself in a pit, reached out for help, found his way back into structure and devotion to God with a changed heart because now it was a humble heart, not one that wanted to please man, but one that genuinely wanted to honor God. And now even just today, we were talking at lunch about how fully free he is, but he's the one that's now living so highly in the structure because he's the example of the structure and he's teaching it to other people. And he, he feels more free than ever um, because it has created a pathway to live a life devoted to God um, instead of just up, just upholding rules that would give an appearance of honor. He now has a heart of honor um, and it's totally changed the way that he lives. That's really amazing. I, you know, hearing about Philip, it strikes me that one of the, for me, the most difficult thing about being a leader 
is that we have that freedom V, um, but then within that, there's that kind of smaller freedom V that each person is responsible for. And if I am leading Philip, Philip is responsible for that little freedom V. Those are his boundaries and his consequences. So what I'm doing as a leader is trying to help usher him towards the best, you know, boundaries, taking ownership himself. And what's so hard as a leader is that not everybody does that. Not everybody makes that choice. Not everybody ends up the way that Philip does. So Kate, can, does that resonate with your experience? Can you talk a little bit about how challenging and disappointing it is um, when people maybe don't end up making the best choices or don't take away um, their own sense of ownership around boundaries? Because I do think for for somebody like Philip, you're, you know, you celebrate it and actually adds to it as a leader to see that like, this isn't my doing, this is this guy's doing. And I got to be a part of that. And that's really cool. But it's also just so hard as a leader to um, feel like you've stewarded it um, as far as you can and then have to let go. So Kate, can you just speak to a little bit to like some of the heartbreak that you've experienced and the disappointment of, um, of when people just make their own choices that you can't control? Yeah, that is definitely a heartbreaking thing to watch. I'm thankful that God gives us an ability to experience godly grief because it does create intimacy for us with Him. So at the very least, I have been able to increase my intimacy with God because what grieves my heart grieves His heart significantly more. Um, And it ultimately is like that grief is a cry for people to be reconciled to God and to want to honor Him with their lives. And um, same squad, it was actually Philip's squad. I had the opposite happen where I had a guy who um, really struggled with the why behind all the boundaries. He wanted to be able to live his life how he wanted to. Um, And we had many conversations throughout the year. At one point during their last three months, he started struggling significantly with um, a mental health battle that had started before he came onto the race, but definitely was triggered by a lack of discipline. And also, I mean, I genuinely believe he needed help that was beyond what we could give him. Um, I'm not a mental health professional. Um And so I wasn't able to support him in the way that he needed support. And between the way that he was being triggered in the environment that he was in, and also he didn't want support from me, but I certainly was not the appropriate person to give him that support either. So he rejected every attempt that was made for any level of structure. He just wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, And ultimately, we got to this place where there were only three weeks left in the race, but I had to make the call to send him home early. And it did not matter how much I emphasized to him that it was out of a place of care for his mental health because I... I was not the appropriate person to care for him, and he was unwilling to let me care for him, even in the capacity that I was equipped to do so. Um, And I was genuinely concerned for his health and his unwillingness to receive any kind of help. Um, And it, to this day, is one of the most agonizing conversations I've ever had to have um, because of the resistance he was already experiencing 
it turned into a very volatile conversation where he was very loud and expressive in how he felt about me and this decision. And um, I think when when we're hurting, um, it is so hard for us to see people's care and compassion in a decision that just hurts us. Um, okay, I have another question, Kate. Uh, it's a bit of a hard pivot, but do you see the Freedom V and the the sort of a, awareness, the awakening of the value of boundaries and consequences? Do you see it come more readily to your participants who are in leadership positions because they get to, you know, not just try to internalize it for their own lives, but they get to help in terms of caring and, and being invited into stewarding it for the lives of others. Is that, does that help them in their own journey to internalize it? Or do you, do you see really kind of no difference in the positional roles? Yeah, I would definitely say that there is um, an increased level of internalization of all the tools once they're in a leadership position because they are using them in a different way and they're impacted by the lack of them in a different way. So they're now teaching people who have no awareness of these things and they've just been, most of them have been through the, the last year or two has been on the race and now they're coming back to lead the race. And um, they're seeing people who are coming in with little self-awareness, little other awareness and little amount of tools that are actually helping them to grow in those things. And they're like, wow, does no one think about cleaning this space ever? Like I really have to tell people to pick up their sleeping pads and like fold their clothes or um, put their laundry away. It can be really shocking to them of like, does, does no one else see these things? But it is a lack of self-awareness or others awareness because how many, how often do you live with 30 to 50 other people and have to even think about those things? Um, and even in in the spiritual sense where they are teaching people how to pursue God in a new way, um, they are empowering people to pursue God and it's bringing a level of greater conviction for them to also do this. And they're like, wow, if I'm telling people about how much better their day is going to be by starting it with God and I'm not waking up early to start my day with God, um, not only am I now convicted because I'm teaching something that I'm not doing, but um, they're seeing the weight of that even more. Like when you're in leadership and you do not have the fullness of God in you or the guidance and counsel of the spirit in you, um, that's not a mantle that you want to be carrying without the the, um, the support of the Lord. And so I, I think they are feeling the weight of their responsibility in a new way where they're realizing like, man, I really need uh, structure and boundaries in place to be accountable to what I'm teaching other people and also um, to bear this weight with God rather than on my own. Kate, when you, when you use the Freedom V with your participants, is it something that you're uh, like the actual physical image of the, of the V is it something that you share with your participants and kind of explain to them, this is, we're moving you up to V, we're moving you down to V. Do you use that language with them or is it just something that you are kind of aware of in the background of like, okay, there's increased boundaries and things and it's helpful for me 
Um, so I guess my question is, is, is it helpful for the participants to, to know the, that mental model of what you're doing with them? Does it help them to, do you use it to, to show them physically and does it help them to see that on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard or whatever it is so that they can kind of depersonalize it and, and uh, understand it a little bit better? Yeah, I definitely use the picture and we talk about it throughout the year. I don't comment on it every time there's a shift in boundaries or in the Freedom V, but it is something we do regularly go back to. And I teach it from the beginning so that anytime I go back to it, it's just a, hey, remember, this is what the Freedom V looks like. This is the value with it. This is where we're, we're at on it. And this is where we're moving to. Um, and obviously on an individual level, that can then look different. Like if someone is struggling, I might move them to a different place on the Freedom V than what the rest of the squad is operating in. And we'll have conversations about that. Um, but I think, well, I, Gen Z is such a unique generation. Obviously, I, I only know my own, which is millennial. And then now I know Gen Z and I know about the others, but I'm not as um, familiar um, but what I do understand about Gen Z by research and by experience with them is um, they need so much clarity and understanding of the why in order for them to move that I I can't find a way around it to not put it in front of them. Like they have to see it, visualize it, understand it, ask a hundred questions about it that I would never, ever, ever think to ask. Um, I just am a high faith, high trust person anyway. So people tell me things. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds good. Um, I try to tell them something and I'll, I'll have thought through everything. I'm like, I, I know that they will not have one question after I give this announcement or after I explain this thing. And then I'll ask just to be sure, like, Hey, any questions? And four hands will go up. I'm like, no way. I thought I did such a good job. <laughs> Um, so especially with this generation, I want to meet them where they are at and um, be able to give them what they do need in order for them to move forward into growth and teachability. And I think putting it in front of them is the best way to do that. Fun story. We actually did a leadership training with an organization in Texas uh, last year, I think sometime. And it was an all staff training and they did a retreat and Joey and I were up there and um, I think I was talking about the Freedom V in front of probably 60 or 80 people or something. And at the end of the session, like we had it on a screen and everything and I talked through it and this young man like comes up to me and he's like, hey, he's like, I did gap year. And as soon as the image of this went up on the screen, I was like, no way. That's the freedom V. And so it's like really cool to see how it's like kind of spreading, you know? That's um, amazing. So like, I'm like, well, we know they're using it and they're like teaching all their participants this because like this like random guy was just like, I know this. Like they like drilled us so hard on the freedom V. I know everything about it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so is there a time when you led Gap Year that you didn't use the Freedom V? And can you like just explain like if there was, like what the differences are? Yeah, my very first year mentoring was before y'all came in to teach on Freedom V and all the other um tools that you got, the leadership tools that y'all teach on. 
And there were a lot of things that were different about that year. So I can't say that this is the only variable that played into it. But there, that year was such a struggle for people. There was a lack of ownership um, and a lack of accountability that allowed sin and secrecy and destruction to really lead the squad throughout the year. It was a very toxic environment. Um, And again, I can't say it's all because of the lack of the leadership tools, but certainly without without those tools, without that structure, um, without the ability to, we didn't have the pathway to communicate these things. Like obviously these things align with the heart of God and it's not that these things were needed in order for the ideas to be taught, but they these tools have created a platform and a pathway for us to be able to communicate discipline, devotion, accountability, um, consequences, what's the difference between grace and consequence, and where grace abounds, does that mean consequences aren't there? Like Even things like that, it's given us um, the platform for these conversations to happen, and without that platform, there was definitely a greater lack of ownership and self-governance that was um, felt on the squad. Kate, that's really that's really great. I really appreciate you and and what you're doing with young people. What you're saying before about that, like that crossroad, that tension between being a child and being adult, and this whole idea of adolescence is a is a relatively new idea. We kind of came up with that in the last hundred years. Before that, there was these like rites of passage, right? You went out a boy, you came back a man, kind of a thing. And so I love that you're you know you and world race gap year are literally like standing in the gap for people and helping them to make those connections. Cause all of the things that we're talking about with the crossroad and the whole concept of redefining effective leadership is about trying to deconstruct some of these ideas of where we've believed some lies about what freedom is really like, where we've kind of internalized some falsehoods about the nature of leadership and the reason that God has made a world in which influence is a thing. And so I really appreciate your commitment to be in these places with young people, to see them through. And I'm sure you're learning vastly from them as well. Uh, Side note, I was a youth pastor. I mentioned it before. I would come up with these games and think so hard about like, what are the loopholes they could possibly think to get around the guidelines I'm giving them for these games? And they would always figure something out. So these, yeah, the young people are wise. They're, you know, they're mature. They're um, healthy. Uh, it's just covered under layers and layers of other things. And I'm still stuck on the word awakening that you use at, at the very mm-hmm. beginning. And, and a lot of these tools are that very thing to create a pathway to awakening. And I know that's the heart of of pulling these young people out of the conventions that they have been mired in and to give them an opportunity to explore something different, to be exposed, not even to something different, but just the truth of them, their own selves. Hmm. Uh, so thank you for what you're doing uh, with Adventures and Missions and for your willingness to talk to us and share some of your experiences. 
Yeah. Thanks for letting me. This has been awesome. I am so thankful to you guys for teaching me these tools so I can teach them to others, which is the great thing about discipleship. Like you don't have to be here to teach the 150 that are on campus because you imparted to me what now I am able to impart to them. And um, they will now be held accountable to imparting to others as well. Thank you so much, Kate. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, In the next episode, we are going to talk a little bit about the project mood curve. Um, And this is just the path that life takes. And it's a helpful tool to help us understand our here, our current reality, so that we can cultivate uh, perseverance uh, when things get difficult. uh, And we can move with intention towards our there, even though things are hard, um, because we're committed to something that is bigger than ourselves. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.